Let me know if you went through a NICU experience that was hard. I know a lot of us play the comparison game. So like for me, like my daughter was in there for a week and there wasn't anything overly complicated happening. And so I felt like, oh gosh, that's not nearly as bad as other moms that have been in the NICU for months with their babies that are on the on the verge of not living. And all of our experiences, just like birth, are still valid and they still mean something. Welcome to the podcast where we get into the real and raw of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. My name is Hannah Gill. I'm a VIABAC mom, doula, and birth educator, and I help women discover their options and harness their inner power to have the experiences they desire. I'm here to support you through the ebbs and flows of these transformative years so we can have open and honest conversations about the hard, the messy, and the beautiful parts of motherhood. This is the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. Thank you again for tuning in this week. This episode is going to be about my daughter's NICU stay. So Marley's stay in the NICU after she was born. I wanted to start out this episode by saying that please remember that everyone's NICU experience and journey is going to look vastly different than your own um, and how things unfold, how long your child's in the NICU, how you handled it how the doctors handled it. Everything is going to be vastly different depending on each individual's experience. So please remember that when listening to today's episode. To get into the story, I first need to go back to my pregnancy because I was diagnosed group B strep positive, which in some instances can cause, can pass to your baby and cause some life-threatening conditions and infections such as meningitis and some other issues. And even um, a smaller portion of those occurrences can be fatal. So during my labor, I was given one round of antibiotics. Usually it's one round every four hours, but my labor went so quickly that we only got one round and even then, it probably didn't have the full length of time necessary to set in. So there wasn't any major concerns directly after the birth. My daughter and I were both fine. We were able to go home as normal, which I do have some minimal experience in the NICU. I was a CNA, a certified nurse assistant in a NICU in Omaha, Nebraska for a little while. And the majority of the babies in the NICU were there directly after birth. So that's kind of what, for me, not being very knowledgeable on NICU, uh, NICU stays and babies that are in the NICU and need to go to the NICU for various reasons. But my understanding just from the knowledge I had was that if your baby goes to the NICU, it's right after birth. I didn't realize that you could leave the hospital and go home and then end up back in the NICU. And it's actually... It's interesting because I have some friends that are nurses in the NICU and I didn't realize this may not be the case everywhere or at every hospital, but the hospital we were at, uh, Riley Children's Hospital, has two NICUs. So they have a NICU where babies go if they need to go to the NICU directly after birth. And then there's a NICU that you'll go into if 
you leave the hospital first and then have to come back to the NICU. So our NICU stay was not obviously expected for us because I was thinking, okay, we're home, baby's fine, like no issues. But a week after being home, a week exactly, my daughter started having a very increased, quickly increased fever. So we were getting ready to go to bed for the night. At the time we were co-sleeping. So she was in our room and I was changing her diaper and nursing her. And I told Scott, like, gosh, Marley feels really warm. I need to take her temperature. She feels warmer than normal. And other than the fever, she had not been acting any differently that I that I knew of for having a week old baby. <laughs> not that I I there was much to compare there. She was only a week old, but she felt extremely warm. So I took her temperature and it was 101. And so I took it with another thermometer. Again, it was around 101. Took it with another thermometer. It was 101. So I knew that she she had a fever, but uh, so I, I called our pediatrician anyway, just the on, on-call line. And they were like, yeah, with her only being a week old, it could be, um, it could be something emergent. So the best thing to do would be to take her in. So I did end up taking her in just because, I mean, she's only a week old. I didn't understand like reasons she could have a fever and it wasn't extremely high, but I mean, for a newborn, it was high. So I took her into the ER and by the time we got there to get checked in, her fever was 103. So it was quickly, quickly increasing. And she was starting to get extremely irritable and fussy. And the doctors came back right away. It wasn't one of those long ER stays where uh, you wait for hours to even see a nurse or a doctor. Obviously, it's a newborn, um, so it's a little bit more urgent. So doctor came back right away and said protocol for a baby this young with such a high fever is to do a full sepsis workup to make sure there's no septic infection or anything like that or any other uh, more serious conditions going on. So obviously I'm panicked. Like I haven't had, my son was never extremely ill or sick or anything like this. He had gotten hurt a few times where we had to go to the ER, but never with an illness really. So I didn't really know how to handle it, but I called Scott and let him know everything that would need to be happening. And I don't know everything that's done for a full sepsis workup. I can't remember everything, but I know they did blood work and she had to get a lumbar puncture, which was one of the hardest things I've ever had to witness. Uh, A small newborn baby getting a lumbar puncture was not, not great. They had to place an IV, all of that. They had to monitor her uh, for a while and see like what was going on after they got the, uh, the blood work back and all of that. And um, we ended up after that ER visit having to be admitted to the hospital, um, the NICU there or the pediatric unit. I think it was at the first hospital we were at was the pediatric unit. So <clears throat> she was admitted and I think we spent two days in the NICU there and they there, I feel like there were so many, sorry, in the pediatric unit at the first hospital, we were not in the NICU. And so many doctors came in 
there were NICU doctors coming down from the actual NICU to speak with us about things and run tests. They did urine tests. They did heart tests, like monitoring her heart rate and breathing. And uh, like I said, the lumbar punctures, they tested all of that. And really this, the first couple of days were just trying to figure out what the, what the cause of the fever was, like what the root cause was. So uh, her fever continued to just stay constant pretty much. It would come down slightly when they gave her fever, fever medication, but it would shoot right back up. She was so, so hot. They, they couldn't, like we couldn't swaddle her. We just had to keep her in a diaper. Um, and when I nursed her, we put cool washcloths on her to help um, cool her down. And she was just really hot with her fever. And eventually they came back. The test results came back. It was she was negative for meningitis. Thank goodness, there was not any sort of infection like that. But they said they found certain bacteria in her urine, and that she had like a UTI caused by B strep bacteria. So that's what they were. That's what they said at the time was the reasoning for her fever was this B strep infection that had turned into a UTI. But she also had some respiratory viruses. Um, I was during the end of my pregnancy and during labor, I was extremely sick with the respiratory infection as well. So this made sense to me that I was still sick and I had probably passed on viruses to her. So there were uh, several that she, I think she had two or three different respiratory viruses. And that could also have been contributing to her fever. So they said they found this group, these jet bacteria that had caused the UTI. And then they also had these viruses that she had. So at this time, she was, when I was nursing her, she was also having weird motions and stiffening that were concerning enough to me to bring up. Like they didn't, they weren't like convulsions like seizures, but there was the potential there that she was having seizures um, from what I was describing to them. Like she would arch her back, stiffen um, for a little bit. And it was just more concerning than what I had seen before with like reflux arching with my son. So, and with the way everything else was going, like I was just hyper concerned about everything. Like anything could be wrong is what I was thinking. So they ended up transferring her because the hospital we were at said they could not or they did not have the the resources necessary to do um, an EEG, which is like the the test on the brain waves and brain function to see if she's having like seizure activity. So they transferred her to Riley Children's Hospital uh, to the NICU there and I, I myself have been a patient at Riley, so has my brother and a few of my family members. So I was extremely familiar and comfortable with Riley. Um, I'm a big fan of their hospital. But anyway, so we transferred there and the plan was to do an EEG to, to see what was going on, to see if she was having any seizure activity. And with her in, her infections, and her UTI infection, and then her viruses, like the plan was to be there for pretty much two weeks, like 10 days to two weeks. So she could get the rounds of antibiotics necessary for the infection. So we were expecting to be there for a full two weeks if, if needed. But when we got to the NICU, I was 
obviously very concerned <laughs> that she would be having seizures if that was a possibility because um obviously high fevers can cause can cause seizures and different infections can cause seizures and I'm sure viruses can too so there's a lot of reasons that she could have been having seizures but thankfully when we got the EEG results back she was not having having any seizure activity thank goodness I think we were in the hospital between both hospitals a total of a week ish I can't remember it was so blurry I was obviously freshly postpartum trying to take care of myself while also sleeping on a really uncomfortable hospital bed to be there with my daughter. So one of the the main concerns for me was, well, not really a main concern, but a big stressing point for me was breastfeeding because I obviously wanted to breastfeed. And specifically when she was hooked up to the EEG, we could not take her out of her NICU bed while she was hooked up. So I I pumped a little bit for when I needed to take a break or like go home and do whatever. I, I stayed at the hospital the majority of the time, but I did pump if if someone needed to give her a bottle. And I also like when I was there in the room with her because we couldn't pick her up off the off the bed for the EEG measurements. I had to pretty much like lean over her Nikki bed while she was there to nurse her and stand. So was really uncomfortable and I can see why having babies in the NICU is such a stressful time, especially if you're breastfeeding. But thankfully the the team was able to figure out a plan of action where we only had to be there for a week because of the certain rounds of antibiotics she needed for her infection and her virus uh, obviously was just a virus so they couldn't really treat the virus itself. They could treat the symptoms. So it was really just about keeping her fever down um, or making sure her fever was was breaking and not staying constant like that. So once we got to the point that her fever was manageable and the antibiotics had gone through her system and everything, we were able to leave and we didn't have to stay the full two weeks, thankfully. But it was interesting because they also did, because she had that UTI, they did kidney ultrasounds. Uh, to see if there was any other issues with the kidneys as far as like infection goes or the bladder. And they found uh, like excess fluid on her kidneys. The The term for that is slipping at the moment, but it can be common for some kids to have the excess fluid. But with the infection, they just wanted to be sure that there were no other concerns, like there wasn't urine refluxing back up into her kidney, like from her bladder. So they did that ultrasound and found the excess fluid. And then we were scheduled to come back a few months later for a repeat ultrasound that would check that urine movement to see if there was any reflux. And thankfully there wasn't. And it was really interesting because at our follow-up appointment with the urologist or with the nephrologist, she said she highly doubts that there was a a UTI being caused by group B strep or if there was a UTI that group B strep was not the culprit. She said group B strep does usually not colonate in that area when it's passed to your baby. It's usually like for meningitis, like in the spinal canal or in the brain. And she said it was, would be very rare for that to be the instance or the, the cause for that. She just thinks that the fever was being caused by all the respiratory viruses that she had. So even if there was an infection there, she said it was likely not from the group B-strep. So I don't know. The NICU doctor said one thing. The nephrologist we followed up with said another 
So I honestly don't know what the cause of her fever was. I'm sure it was a mixture of infection, whether that be group B strep or not, plus the viruses. Something was causing her to have a very high fever for such a small baby, and she was treated for the gamut of issues. So it did get taken care of, but I honestly don't have a a concrete answer for what was causing her problems. I'm just causing, I'm just chalking it up to a mixture of a lot of things. But after that point, we got out of the hospital the first week of June. So our NICU stay was relatively short compared to many people's NICU stays, which are months upon months, a lot of times. And to me, it felt different because we were already home and settled for a week before we ended up in the NICU. And this could be the case for a lot of people, but I feel like oftentimes babies go to the NICU directly after birth. And even so, even with it being a short stay and not extremely major complications, it's still a club that I really don't want to have to be, didn't want to have to be a part of. And I wish I didn't have to be a part of because it's never fun, regardless of how the severity, it's never fun to see your child so sick and helpless, especially a little baby so young. And they're not able to communicate their how they're feeling obviously so it was it was scary just because we we had never had a really sick child before so we didn't know how to navigate it and it was exhausting mentally and physically exhausting because I had just given birth I was trying to heal postpartum I should have been sleeping in a comfortable bed like getting good meals and getting rest but instead I was sleeping on a NICU hospital bed eating hospital food and takeout, obviously not getting much rest. And I know that's the case for all of you Nikki moms out there, like having to navigate that while also healing from birth. And it's a lot, it's a lot to go through. It's a lot to process. It's a lot to handle and manage. So my heart goes out to every Nikki mom out there, especially those that had to be there for any longer than a week or so, because that one week was exhausting. So I can't imagine what you've had to go through being in the NICU for months with your babies. I was very thankful that we have such an amazing support system. Scott was able to come up quite a bit. Our parents came up to help and to see her um, as much as they could. I, NICU restrictions are a little bit more than the normal hospital restrictions, but we had so many people bring food to the hospital for us and uh, do things for us. And it, we were very appreciative for the support system that we had. And I think one of the hardest parts for me um, hard in different ways than just being in the hospital with my my newborn baby was not being able to be home with my son, with Hudson, because this was all very difficult on him too. It was a new experience just because we had brought a new baby home. So that's a big transition. And then all of a sudden, after a week, she and I were both gone again. So in his mind, he's thinking, okay, we have this new baby. That's obviously a big transition, but now mommy and the baby are gone. So I don't understand what's happening. And I never wanted to leave Marley at the hospital alone because I just, I know from some close friends of mine that have had babies in the NICU and my own experiences with being a patient in the hospital is that, especially for babies, like they need that support there. They, even though they're babies, they can, they can feel your energy. They can feel you there, smell you there, especially mom. And also you just never know like what's going to happen while you're gone or if something's going to be done that you don't want done. So anyway, I just never wanted to leave her alone. So if I wasn't there, I wanted Scott to be there 
or one of our parents to be there. I wanted someone to be there with her at all times. And I did take a couple times. I switched out, had Scott stay with her for a little bit so I could go have some one-on-one time with Hudson because I knew it was just as hard of a transition for him as it was for us. And I wanted to help him feel a little bit more comfortable and in somewhat of a routine. And obviously I didn't want to go a week without seeing him. And it was a very hard, hard week to go through for all of us. But thankfully she, everything ended up okay. She's a perfectly healthy baby now with, with no major issues. And it's something I hope I never have to go through again. <laughs> I hope neither of my children are ever in the hospital or that if we have another baby, that that baby's in the NICU because it's not a fun process. And there are a lot of details I'm sure I'm missing from our week in the NICU and how everything unfolded. But again, it was all such a blur. <laughs> all the postpartum hormones and the healing and being up all night, feeding her and nursing her and listening to all the monitors in the hospital room. Like it's hard to get any sleep in that in that situation and any rest at all. And it was hard like seeing all this stuff being done to her, such a small baby. And it was scary, but even more so, it was just mentally, it was so hard because I felt so helpless for her. The only thing I could do, which was probably the best thing. And the only thing she needed was to hold her and nurse her and do skin to skin. And well, at least while I could, while she wasn't hooked up to any machines where I couldn't move her. So it was a whirlwind. It was a wild experience. And again, my heart goes out to all of the other NICU moms. It's not a club that's fun to be in, but we're all in this process together um, in different ways. And I would love to hear if you're comfortable sharing any of your guys' NICU experiences, no matter what those look like. Uh, I just like knowing that I'm not alone in in how I'm feeling about this experience and how it unfolded. So if you, you can send me an email, you can send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know if you went through a NICU experience that was hard. I know a lot of us play the comparison game. So like for me, like my daughter was in there for a week and there wasn't anything overly complicated happening. And so I felt like, oh gosh, that's not nearly as bad as other moms that have been in the NICU for months with their babies that are on the on the verge of not living. And all of our experiences, just like birth, are still valid and they still mean something. And it's important to talk about them and share them. So I would love for you guys to let me know if you had a NICU experience and how it went. And if there was anything you wish you would have known ahead of time, like before you went through the process, obviously we don't go into birth thinking, oh, my baby's going to be in the NICU. And it's something that maybe we should be mentally preparing for ahead of time or figuring out how to navigate it. So thank you for tuning in to another episode. I hope you were able to either relate in some way or you found it to be informative. So thank you again for tuning in to another episode and I'll see you all next week. You just finished another episode of the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. For more, head over to ebbandflowbirthco.com or on Instagram at ebbandflowbirthco. As a reminder, this podcast is provided to you for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice. Until next time, bye friends. Bye friends.